Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. We're glad that you're with us today. We have my dad back on the program, and when I was growing up, I decided, since my dad was a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan, there was no way that I could be a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So I decided to be the Philadelphia Eagles uh, in the household. We needed to have the same state, just a different city. And I think I remember, if I'm remembering this correctly, you challenged me in Madden between the Eagles and the Steelers. And I got beat so bad that game that I switched back to being a Steelers fan. And so I've never looked back after that point. So I'm I'm a diehard Pittsburgh Steelers fan like my dad is. We've been blessed to go to a, several games together as we found the opportunity to. Uh, we usually try to go to the teams that aren't doing so well so we have a better chance to win. Um, but I've, I just have enjoyed growing up in a household, having my dad teach me the Bible, my mom as well, but she's not able to be on the podcast today, of course. And so so we're glad to have the opportunity to study more with Dad about this persistence in the home. And kind of along the lines of that, this idea of persistence, something about my father that maybe you didn't know, maybe you did, he likes to golf. And that is something that I know takes persistence. You know, it, it's not just something maybe some great athletes can pick up a club and just hammer it down the field and then go and putt and it's great but you have to really work on your shot and I'm speaking from experience here because I'm not the greatest golfer in the world and I w was blessed to go back to the St. Jude Invitational and watch some of these golfers just just smack that ball all the way down hundreds of yards and just be in amazement as the sound the speed the velocity all of that and just to think that in the case of some of them like Tiger Woods from three years old they were playing this game all the way up to where they are now, showing that persistence. And today we're talking about persistence from a perspective of children, giving the word to our children and making sure that God's word is present in the home, that we're seeking to showcase what the Bible says about the home. And before we get into the first question, I just want to remind everybody about the Scattered Abroad Network. You can check the show notes for everything that we have going on. I've, I'll include in the show notes the works that we mentioned last week that Dad is involved in, uh, Foundations, Counterpoint, the Memphis School of Preaching, and those last two, Foundations and MSOP, you can go to the website, msop.org, and see if applications are still open for Foundations. They probably might be. It's only uh, May at this point, so they might still be open and available. If not, you can always register for next year and come and be a part of 2023. But MSOP, there's always applications available and ready for you to come and want to learn more about the school. You can do all of that at MSOP.org. So we're grateful for the school and the work that they're doing. And as we shift now to what we're talking about, I've got to ask the question that seems like a slam dunk. It's the easiest question to answer. But what is the current state of our children in the world? Well, I guess, as you know, that goes by a case-by-case, -case, home home-by-home basis. In general, I think we would have to confess that across the board, children are less knowledgeable of the Word of God. We need more Loises and Eunices in the world who will teach their children like Timothy from a babe to know the Holy Scriptures so that they can be wise unto salvation. And uh, that's Second Timothy chapter 3 where Paul reminded Timothy that from his childhood, he had known the sacred writings, which are able to make one wise to salvation. And, you know, that, that makes such a big difference 
when we teach our children because then they can grow up and teach someone else. You and I would not be sitting here uh, discussing these matters if it hadn't been for a young man who was taught by his mother, Audie Crockett, Mm -hmm. about the Word of God and his father, who was an elder in the Lord's Church, uh, Aubrey Crockett, and they taught their son who then grew up and taught, you know, my dad, your papa, and it all started in that home. My dad didn't grow up in that kind of home, so... If we can't assume that everyone's been blessed to grow up in a home where they were taught the Word of God, right? so what do we do? We do the best we can to teach our children so that they can grow up and help people find the Lord. That's so important. I mean, like you said, every family is different. There are different dynamics, different things that happen. Uh, There are some times where it's unfortunate that a a parent dies uh, very young in life for one of the children, and they're going to grow up now with only one parent perhaps for a time. And that makes things more difficult, of course, because what they would be blessed to have if they had both parents is not there, but the responsibility is still there to try to raise those children to the best of that parent's ability to give them what needs to be given. And we talked last week about Deuteronomy chapter 6, 1 through 5. You mentioned it, and I'm going to ask you to to dive a little bit more into it involving with uh, maybe the Old and New Testament, but that idea of binding the Word— on, on upon our hearts, you know, and making it frontlets between our eyes and putting it on the doorpost. In regards to the law, you know, why why is it that we're not doing that, and what problems is that causing? Well, you know, there was a duke, I want to say he was of Wellington, who visited the United States, and when he went back to Europe, was asked what impressed him the most about his visit to the U.S., And he said, well, I guess it would have to be the way the parents obey their children over there. (laughs) And that's really a sad commentary. It's gotten to the point where some parents are so intimidated by the idea of being authoritative or being in charge that they don't parent. They think their job is to be a buddy or a pal, first and foremost Mm -hmm. and only, to their children Uh, And that is not what God asked parents to do. It's not my job to be the buddy or pal. That doesn't mean we can't have good times together and enjoy recreation and social fellowship and the home. But it's first and foremost, my job to teach what's right. In fact, I can't help but think of Proverbs. And when you look at Proverbs 2, listen to verse 1. My son, if you will receive my words, and hide my commandments with thee. And chapter 3, verse 1, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. Well, what would that do if the child does that? Give him length of days, long life, and peace. And then in chapter 4, Hear, children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. I give you good doctrine forsake ye not my law. And so there's the parent's responsibility, impart the information. There's a sender, but these passages also talk about the receiver, and that's the child. The child has an obligation to receive that instruction. And the the parent in the case of Proverbs 4 says in verse 11, I did my part. I gave you the ways of wisdom. I've taught you in those ways. I've led you in the right paths. 
it's no it's not going to be my fault now if you go astray you cannot say i have not done my part you know we we love adam my son and your grandson and uh he's three at the time that we're recording this turning four just in a couple of months Mm -hmm. and there are times where you can tell him exactly what he needs to do and it you you would think that he was shut off basically like he'd hit the button and he was just shut down for a little while because he didn't hear a word of it because he's not paying attention but can we really say that the parent or the grandparent in that situation did not do their part to tell him what he needed to do if he's not listening. Obviously, the words can fall on deaf ears, but the words have still been spoken. And so as we look to kind of think about treating the law with such a respect that we bind it, we make it frontlets between ours, we paint it on the doorpost, we do everything that we can do, the duty of that in the parents regard is to put it on those doorposts make it on those frontlets bind that word in that way but then it's up to the children to actually stop and consider what's been done in regards to them yeah in fact verse 13 of proverbs 4 says you take fast hold literally take a firm grip of instruction let her not go keep her Mm -hmm. what does that imply that implies that a child might choose to abandon what they've been taught and that they might choose to let it go. The admonition from the Proverbs writer is your parent did their job in teaching you what you needed to know. Now what's your job? And I will say that as a preacher in my early years, I probably preached only and exclusively to parents and their responsibilities, and I never really emphasized in my early years of preaching what the child's responsibility is because I think sometimes there's this misconception that if you just teach the right thing, there's a guaranteed obedience that will follow. Well, Adam and Eve were taught the right thing. Right. But they chose to not hold on to that instruction. They chose to let it go Mm -hmm. and to walk away from what God had taught them. And look at how disastrous that was. That didn't mean that God didn't teach them enough or adequately or lovingly. It meant that God did his part in being the sender of the message. Their job was hold on to that, live by it. And when they did not, that is a sad but sure truth that it shows that you can teach all the right things, but it's not enough to be a hearer of the word. We've got to be doers, James chapter 1 and verse 22. It's so important. It's so important to realize what my responsibility is in all of that and what the child's responsibility is in all of that. And once it's been done, it's up to the hearer. I mean, you know, every gospel sermon is successful because the message has been preached and there's a reaction to it. And, you know, I'd never thought about that until I heard a preacher say that he went to a youth rally and he had over 200 responses. And the person that he was saying that to said 200 something responses. That's the most impressive youth rally that there's ever been. And he said, well, everyone responded to it but not everyone decided to follow the gospel. And that's really the case. All that parents can do 
is teach, admonish, and instruct. What parents hope that the children will then do is receive and take it forward. But unfortunately, in a lot of cases, the parents end up letting the church babysit their kids and expect for the babysitter to tr- to train and teach every single thing. And in some cases, you know, obviously parents sometimes will want to go out to dinner together and not bring the kids and they will want to have a time away. And so they'll go get a babysitter. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if a babysitter is the entire child's life, if that babysitter is expected to raise the child, to take care of the child, to do all of these things, the answer can truly be said that it is probably likely that the mother and father did not show the love and affection that needs to be shown. Well, we've turned the church into that, spiritually speaking. We expect the elders, the preacher, the youth minister, the Bible class teachers to handle all of those matters. And you know what I find that is unfortunate In a lot of places, those Bible class teachers are parents themselves of children that expect the church to train their children. And so if that's the case with them and their children, and then they're teaching a class, what is the likelihood that that class is even going to be taught with the utmost respect for God's word and even understanding? And so you've got a flawed system if that's what a church is doing. But so many parents, it seems, believe that the church alone will take care of them. And we don't have to do anything else. We don't have to have those teachable moments with dad or with mom or we don't have to be involved in doing that but do we really understand in your estimation that the church cannot save our children i think more people need to get that memo because the idea of some is if i take my child to services drop them off in sunday school i don't have to check whether they've got any homework for that class whether they have any assignment i don't have to ask about what they studied that day I magically turn them over to the educational department of the Lord's Church, and they'll magically just accept all of that and learn it. That ought to be, as we've noted before, supplemental, not the only thing that they're getting, because if that's the only thing they're getting, it's not enough. They're in Sunday school an hour. If they come Wednesday night, two hours. If they come Sunday morning, Sunday night for worship services, around four hours of instruction in a week that has so many hours available, they're going to spend the bulk of their time in the home that week and not in the Sunday school class. And so that Sunday school class ought to be icing on the cake, Mm -hmm. not the totality of what they are receiving. And unfortunately, in a lot of those cases, When there's a lectureship or a gospel meeting or a vacation Bible school, the parents are less inclined and less likely, not every time, but most of the time you could say you see this a lot, to not attend those events. We just have to be a Sunday morning and a Wednesday evening Christian, and that's acceptable to God. But what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15, 58 was written to parents. It was written to people who had children there in Corinth to be super abounding in the work of the church, to be involved in every aspect. And if mommy and daddy are involved in that in that regard, and that little child sees that, they're going to want to do that too. And that's the the stress that we have to put and importance that we have to stress to our children that this isn't something we do to be seen of men. It isn't something we do to check some box or to just appear to have, you know, we got our church in for the week. This is our way of life. This is every value that we find in life 
begins and ends with Christ. Everything else, whether it's recreational, and we've talked about the fact that we've enjoyed a, a good ball game here and there, we've enjoyed playing together and enjoying that time, that's fine. Yeah. But there's, like Ecclesiastes 3 says, there's a time and place for that. God must come first. That was his thesis statement. At the end of it is, you know what? I know what you need to do now. Fear God, keep his commandments. This makes man complete. And so uh, as we kind of close out our thoughts today, I want to thank you for being on the program again. We're going to finish up next week with our final episode. And we are excited to have the opportunity to discuss the idea of following the design of the home. But until then, we hope and pray that you'll please God now so our eternity can be far better. What's up, guys? It's Caleb and Michael over here from the Scattered Abroad Network, and we just wanted to say thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yeah, we're so thankful to the East Hill Church of Christ for overseeing this network, and we're grateful to God for this opportunity. And don't forget, you can check out our show notes below for all of our social media links, email address, website, and we have a monthly newsletter, so don't forget to sign up for that. Please remember to leave us a rating or a review on whatever platform it is that you use, and please continue to keep our network in your prayers. As always, thank you again so much for listening. Be ready tomorrow. We have brand new content coming out here on the SAN. Thanks so much, and God bless.